0: Hey everybody! Welcome to Evil Chat number 24. This is Derek, and in this episode, the man is back. My friend, well, yeah, he's a friend. He didn't act like a friend in uh, in this so much. He's taken a lot of shots, and well, whatever. But maybe I took a few at him too. But anyways, uh, Stu Stu McMillan's back. Uh, for I think this is the sixth one we've done together fifth or sixth. so anyways, uh, we answered a few questions that were thrown out there on Twitter and Instagram and uh, threw a couple things around which uh, which I prepared. Yeah, it was a pretty fun conversation I think uh, in a lot of, in a lot of places. Uh, I'm not gonna keep this too long this intro. Uh, the last intro was was long, probably too long so. So you know what? I'm just going to leave it at that. So enjoy this one. You know, I, I had a lot of fun with it as usual. So for better or for worse, here is Evil Chat number 24 with my good friend from Altus, Stu McMillan.
1: How long you got to wear those things
0: for? Uh, well, just this week. I just got to be careful. My first, uh, the first one didn't go so I'm recording this, by the way. So my first, uh, my first one didn't go so well.
1: Yeah, I know you recorded it. I have to press that got it button to say that I'm okay with you recording it. Why do you even get that choice?
0: Okay, well, hit the got it. Did you hit the got it? I hit the got it. That's why. Oh, okay. So yeah. we're recording then. Yeah, no, I got a, the, uh So for listeners, I've had uh, more eye issues. I had, uh, uh, I had cataract surgery, which... I didn't know that did you know that cataract surgery is the number one most performed surgery in the united states and uh anyways but which should be very simple deal but of course with me nothing's ever fucking simple so the first one i had they had to put a stitch in and uh because all my cornea issues so anyways it was not a good recovery it's still i still am having issues that was a month ago but the second one I had two days ago and uh, it's way better, way better. Like it feels good, but I just, I gotta, I gotta be super careful. I was supposed to go for dinner with some uh, father of a kid I coached the other night and I had to cancel because I was just, I just, I, I, I just had to, I had to stay inside for two days. And I just, I've learned to wear these ski goggles. I'm wearing ski goggles right now while we do this. That's what he's talking about. So it's apparently he's offended at it by this but anyway so why
1: why would you think I'm offended at it I just said I in a very nice and respectful manner I asked nice. you can't even see me don't tell me by the look on my face I, I asked you how see long you do you have to wear those things for
0: yeah probably this week and pro- uh, indoor well I don't have to I could take them off but bright lights uh, really, really bother it. Right. And the more stress yep. I get on the eyes, the harder it is, the longer it takes for them to recover. And I didn't, I didn't really do everything I was supposed to on the first recovery and, uh, it was going okay. And then I went outside to coach one day, it was a cold, Oh my God. And that just set it right back. It's so anyways, it's so this one to be more careful. And I got these ski goggles and I, I drive, you know, I drive around and, and i'm coaching with these things on outside so and you know, so once
1: uh, once this one's done then you can get to take the ski goggles off that's that's it you're good
0: yeah yeah i think i think uh, i mean i'll keep the ski goggles on only outside for the next two weeks or so just to be safe and then i'll uh, then I'll, I'll be good but i can take them off inside it's just what, what i had to do is i have these two screens right and i had to move i had to rearrange my desk and move them forward because i i have no correction on my eyes right now like I have no I can't wear those contacts I because I have to get refitted so I had to move both screens right up close so I can see because I can't see shit right like I can't especially I can see distance actually I can see now without correction better than I have in 40 years 45 years I'd say and uh, so it's done wonders but I um, and, and when I get my contacts back on refitted it'll be Amazing, but I can't see anything up close. So, so I mm. had to move the screens forward, and I got these two huge screens right in my face, and it's just too bright. That's why I'm wearing them for this.
1: Plus, I don't what's want going to on see your, my. Uh, what's going on with your voice?
0: What do you mean? What's going on with my voice?
1: Your, your, your voice is okay.
0: Oh, we're oh we're gonna start off like this, are we? Okay, yeah, but no more. is fine. <laughs> Is my it okay? Voice? All right. No, no, it, 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 There's nothing wrong with my voice.
1: No, it. It just sounds like you're um, kind of mumbly. Like maybe you have also oh had my gosh, tooth really? surgery.
0: Really? Yeah. No. No, I'm fine. Thank you. Okay. Thank you very much. Right. Yeah. 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 But you know the uh, the second surgery, I was in the middle of it, and I, uh, you know, they they. They don't put you right under. They give you like this. They kind of make you loopy and it's, you know, and I yeah, I mean shit, man. I've had so much shit done to my eyes. It's pretty, it's pretty, you know, none of this stuff really sort of phases me, right? But but in the middle of this thing, I could feel the you know they go in with a laser and then what they do is they go i don't know if you know what cataract surgery is but you get cataracts grow on the lens they go in they pull out the lens and they put in an artificial lens right so i uh you know and i could feel them doing this like it's hurting and i and i and and i'm like uh i can feel this kind of thing and then all of a sudden i'm like i go (laughs) i go into this like I have the most psychedelic experience. I'm like wandering through these rooms, and there's this orange. It's like I'm like, what the hell? And I, and then I I and then I wake up and I'm or I no, it wasn't really. It was weird. Anyways, I wake up and I'm in and I'm. They've got the chair. I'm in. They've got it upright. So I'm sitting standing upright in the in the recovery room. That's the next thing I know. And they're like, and you know, this, these things, you know, this is a great surgeon I got, but it's a, uh, you know, it's uh it's, it's fucking American medicine. Right. So it's like, it's like, they're pumping, they're pumping us out one after another. And they're kind of like rushing me to get out of this, out of there. And I, and I'm like, blah, 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 and I'm not making sense. And they're feeding me cookies. I gotta, I wake up, I got a coffee in my hand. I'm like, how did, co- how'd I get this coffee? And she's like, Oh, I handed it to you. I'm like, uh, uh, Okay, like, and they're, then they're giving me Oreos, so I'm eating. Ore- I wake up with an Oreo in one hand and a coffee in the other. I mean, obviously, I was conscious enough to grab them, but anyways, so it was really bizarre. But, but, uh, but yeah, no, so it's uh, just another
1: day in the life of Derek Eavey, though, right? No
0: kidding. It was, yeah, it was just, uh, it was, yeah. So, anyways, but once this is done, you know, so listen to this. So, I was telling someone this the other day. So, when this is now, as of right now. Well, no, not I mean, once I get fitted for my contacts, when light, when I see things, light is going to come from whatever I'm looking at the object, the outside world, it's going to go through a plastic, a hard plastic lens, then it's going to go through a layer of saline solution, right, which is how my contacts work, but anyways, then it's going to go through my cornea, which depending on the eye has the tissue has the dna of four different people right so i have i have i have i've had three cornea transplants two in my left one in on my right but the one in on my left when they 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 had to take out the the original one and put in a new one and when they do that they you know there's still tissue from the old one so i've got tissue from three different people plus my own right so it's going to go through that Then it's going to go into my eye. Then it's going to go through an artificial lens. (laughs) And then, then to the back of my eye. So that's like, I mean, I'm like, uh, I I was saying to someone last night, I'm like a Frankenstein experiment when it comes to vision. However, when I'm corrected, like when I get my new contacts, I mean, I can see, I mean, they measured me yesterday. I was 20, 40. I'm legal to drive without, without my contacts and uh which is uh, i i haven't been able to do that in fucking 40 years but and but with my contacts it'll be crazy it'll be crazy how good it'll be so you know i mean it really like i can see great as long as i got my contacts but anyway so yeah so that's 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 good man how about what's new with you hey i got a question for you i got a question for you why are you looking around Oh you I'm not oh, looking around. I'm, I'm oh, cracking yeah. my back. Oh like, chiropractic um, masturbation. That's what you're doing there, right? Is that yeah. what it's called? Yeah, well that's what I call it. Um I have a question for you. What's and and Matt and I started a the the podcast that went missing that I lost. That, sorry, really- that, that, that what
1: that went missing.
0: Well I I, I lost it. Yeah. Yeah yeah the
1: podcast you lost yeah i misplaced it well but you it was, wasted two hours of matt's time on
0: yeah i did i'm sorry matt you and i are gonna have to do it over again but he still has the kit so that's coming up but the beginning of it was uh you know we 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 were talking about you and uh i i asked him so i asked him this question so i'm gonna ask you what, what what's with all the pictures What's, what's with all the pictures you've been posting of yourself? Or not so much lately, but before all the real sort of they look like fancy, you know, GQ kind of pictures. There's one of you like crossing a road with a jacket thrown over your over your shoulder and you're looking back. It's black and white. Why are you shaking your head? Like, what's the deal?
1: There's definitely not a picture of me crossing the road with a jacket. thrown. Well, that's what her. it looks like.
0: Well, no, the other was. You posted it. You no, posted there, it on...
1: There definitely, 100% is not. I've never crossed the road with a jacket you might, thrown over.
0: These look like professionally taken photographs. Well, they are.
1: Because my buddy, Linwood, is a professional photographer. So when I go out to LA, I stay with him. And he, uh, you know, like most professional photographers, they carry their camera around with them everywhere. And he uh, he takes pics of me. He takes pics of other people. He takes pics of whatever, whatever is surrounding us during the day when we're just hanging out in LA. So I use a lot of those pictures for a couple of reasons. One is to try to help promote his work because I think it's really good. He's done a lot of work for uh, for Altus as, as one of our photographers. Uh, he does a lot of work in, in the LA area and I think he's he's excellent. So I'm trying to you know promote his work and get other people and other eyes on his, his stuff. And number two, I just... Uh, Man, it's just, it goes to the whole social media thing. I think it's just, I really, really wish I could just delete all of my social media and not have, ever have to worry about it again. But when you own a business, as you know, you kind of have to do it. Um, and Gotta I just get, got tired.
0: Get a, you know what? You're not oh. going to get an argument from me there, unfortunately. No, no,
1: yeah. no it's, it's uh, right. And I got tired of, of, of putting up posts that are kind of salesy. And I just, you know, this whole thing's a bit of a joke and you know I, I put up a post one time and i don't know i, I don't know, i can't remember who it was maybe darren roberts or somebody and just kind of made fun of it and said that it looks like an album cover so yeah. um
0: yeah that's, exactly, you know, what just I'm saying. that's exactly what 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 that's exactly what we were talking about actually yeah. matt matt made the point you know you might be switching teams on us or something was, some of them look pretty uh, gq and Oh, is that right? right. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, of course. Of course no, I, no, I'm still, oh, no, I'm wait still a minute, on the... Wait a, minute, wait, a minute, wait a minute, maybe it was the me same who team. suggested that.
1: Yeah, it's probably yeah. you, it wasn't Matt. I mean, and, um, oh, yeah,
0: it, yeah, it was actually, and Matt said, Matt, it, you know, right away said, hey, there's nothing wrong with that. And I he, he's right, there's nothing wrong with that, but <laughs> it's just where the conversation went. Anyways, no, no, you know what? Anyways, it's just a bit of I fun. I totally agree with you
1: thought, totally so, yeah, it was just a bit of fun. And I did that for a while. I'm back to normal now. I'm not, I'm not going to, I had a, a chat with my buddy JB the other day and, and he said, what's going on? He asked me the same question as you. He said, what's going on with your Instagram post lately? I said, oh, I'm just having a bit of fun. He said, I said, uh, and he just asked me, what's the, what's the point? I said, yeah, you're right. What's the point? So I've, I've stopped and I'm back well, to the point regularly is, there a program. there
0: is unfortunately, that's the thing. I mean, I've noticed this, right? It's like the more you, the more you post the more the more and especially the more bullshit. you know the more like if you could stir up shit you know there's a direct correlation like to what you sell on your on your site right and i and i hate it too because first of all i'm not good at it number two i uh, you know, I I don't, I don't, I never look at social media. I don't scroll through my feed. And if, 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 if I ever like something on like, if, you know, to anybody listening out there, if, if you ever post anything, and I like it, or I see it, it's almost 99% of the time, it's because I was tagged in it, because those those that's the only thing I look at, I don't scroll through Facebook and see, you know, I don't know, it's just, I just uh, not that I don't have anything against it. It's just I just don't have the time, and it's not really doesn't do anything for me. But you know, also as a music fan now, that's how you you get you know the only way to get a good seat at a decent venue is to be on top of that shit because the pre they announce pre sales like an hour before they go on sale and. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's ridiculous. It, the, the whole thing just, yeah. But I get that. Anyways, let's move on. Um, well, no, it's, it's, yeah,
1: let's just, let's not leave that quite so quickly. So there's two things that you said there. One is, yeah, you're kind of rewarded sometimes for just taking outlandish opinions or, or you know, binary opinions on one end of the spectrum. But that's, uh, you know, I don't necessarily 100% agree with that. I mean, I've got a pretty decent social media following on both Twitter and Instagram, and I'm not that way. Right. I, I was just mm-hmm. consistently shared, you know, what I thought about the sport performance world, you know, and I, I did that. I did that every day, actually for two and a half years, I just did these small little 250 or 300 word posts. And you, I built a fairly substantial, you know, a substantial in this world anyway, falling quote unquote mm-hmm. around that, because what do you people, got around
0: 30,000 now on Twitter. Yeah. I don't
1: know what it is. It's something, it's something, Last like, I, yeah, I don't. Some were a long time ago, I checked.
0: You were like twenty-seven thousand. So
1: yeah, that's a, that sounds about right. But you know, and that's that's just from being consistent and sharing good stuff, and people appreciating it. You know, there wasn't. I'm not saying anything outlandish. So it's it's not always nope. that. But, I think you're, you know, and well, many well, well, of my me, friends.
0: Jump are in here for a second. But if why, you, why are you interrupting
1: me, man? Like, why can't I got, you? Well, like, I, I waited point. until you were finished oh, speaking, okay, okay, and then okay. I spoke. This is how this goes.
0: Speak. Go ahead, speak.
1: speak. And many of my friends are the same, right? So, like my buddy JB. JB just started Instagram last year. He's got probably got double my followers already. Cause he Who's just
0: JB. He just,
1: uh, John Berardi. So he just he just writes good, interesting things that people care about and people, you know, people sort of find that stuff. So it's not just that social media rewards, you know, the, the extreme ends of of the continuum. There's also a lot of really good things out there that a lot of really good people share. And I still learn a lot um, of of things from social media. I've met a lot of really good and interesting people on social media, whether it's being, you know, it's, uh, you know, I get to know new coaches or new research and it's, it's still, you know, and you are the curator of your own feed, right? So people who complain about it, well, just do a better job of curating your feed. You know, you don't have to you don't have to spend three hours a day on there. You don't have to follow people that you don't like or you disagree with or, or, or idiots. Don't follow them. And If you see them on there, mute them or, or don't block reply
0: them. to their bullshit. Yeah.
1: Don't reply to them. So just, no. you know, it's it's I think, yeah, it's probably a net negative on society as a whole. But I think in the, in the coaching profession or the sport performance industry, I think it's a really good way for us to get to know new people, get to understand what other people are thinking. I think it's probably been a, a net positive on my development as a coach. And it's definitely been a net positive on, on you know, the growth and development of Altus. Obviously, we wouldn't be where we are if it wasn't for our following and being able to you know, share what we think and what we do to the community at large. Right. So I think it's in that sense, it's, it's, it's good. I just still, you know, I find myself as many people do. Uh, it's hard for me to, to stop that scroll sometimes. Right. I, I spend too much time on social media as, as many other people do. And it's easy to say, yeah, just don't do it, but it's, uh, it's harder actually to, to do that. Okay. I'm finished now, Derek, you can now speak.
0: <sighs> Thank you.
1: Um,
0: what I was going to say is I, I totally agree with everything you're saying. But my point is this, if you were to put out something, you know, uh, you know, like if you were to go down that sort of more insecure route where you are sort of attacking everybody who doesn't agree with you, you would see a jump in, uh, whatever metrics you use to, you know, I mean, I mean, you would, you would, I mean, we know you would, I mean, I, I, I respect you and I, I try to follow the same thing, same principles online, you know, and mainly because I just don't want to deal with the bullshit, you know, and I, and I don't deal with the bullshit, but it's, uh, you know, the the other problem with it is, is that and I think we have a question coming up today that someone asked yesterday on Instagram, uh, or tagged me in a post, and I thought it would be a good discussion is that, uh, you know, you can't respond properly on it to some questions, right? Like, you know, social media, in particular, Twitter, because of its short, you know, its limitations in, in what you can, how much you can type or text is, you know, you, you, you can't have a real nuanced discussion, right? It's like the difference between long form podcasts and, you know, the, the six minutes you see on the, on, uh, on network news, right. It's, you know, you can't, you, you, you can't have a, like you can't get deep into things unless you, you know, unless you do a s- string of a hundred posts or something like that. So, and I think this question coming up is, uh, I mean, it's an honest question, but it's, um, but I think it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a good example of that, right, you know, but, but we'll get to that later. So,
1: yeah, so uh, I think that's, a really, yeah, that brings up a good point, right? And I think it's, it's, that's exactly where my mind went when we started talking about that was, was that question on Instagram, because, you know, it's what gets picked up often is the most marketable thing. You know, if somebody's come up with a cool phrase or a cool name for something, and let's, you know, let's, I mean, let's call it out. I mean, feed the cats is Mm -hmm. a fantastic marketing phrase. Mm -hmm. Tony Haller is a marketing genius to have come up with that and continue to feed it as he has Mm -hmm. over the course of the last however many years. It's freaking perfect. Yeah. It's cats. Think about the athletes as being cats, and what does that you know bring to mind in your brain? And then feed them, you know. It's it's freaking awesome. Like that's that's the you know say we you, you know I have no judgment and not, and not incorrect. It's, I mean, it's just really really great marketing, yeah, yeah. and it's it's easy for people to share. It's easy for people to engage with. It's easy for people to talk about. And it's the same thing with what you're referring to on the, the Instagram thing, that that the the question that you were. Um, uh uh, tagged Tagged on yesterday is what's it called um you know surfing the curve right is that what it was surfing the curve yeah Yeah. so another another thing that's yeah it's 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 a cool little phrase that that sounds good that sounds interesting that people will uh attach to and yeah that sounds great surf the curve surf the curve let's write an article about surfing the curve but it's um you know you got to dig a little bit deeper obviously than that but it's it's, um, yeah, and I,
0: well, to be fair to what is it, Jump Science, or whoever posted it, um, you know, I don't think I don't think it was asked in that in that way. I think it was, you know, he's just throwing a question out there for for honest discussion. Um, maybe some of the replies were a little bit, you know, um, you know.
1: No, my my point is, he just he used that phrase as the question he might not have had to come up with that question if that phrase wasn't part of the lexicon right oh so is it part parents, of the lexicon okay, what are you think is it oh, part for sure. of the lex- oh
0: okay. yeah I absolutely know that. okay okay i thought yeah. he came up with that okay yeah yeah oh no All that's right. the
1: guys out of um eastern tennessee right you know deweese and those guys um you know mike stone we talk about yeah i think they've written oh, a few articles okay.
0: oh i did not know that okay well well we're gonna give it on a shot on that in a bit so yeah yeah no that's good but hey back to tony though so did you read that uh that thing he he did oh my god he's gonna uh, he's gonna well i don't know Uh, his 10 misconceptions on simply faster. by the way you know i've been on simply faster lately looking you know i've been doing a lot of research into cameras fuck that's a great site man that's a great resource there's a lot of Interesting things on there, like for coaches. Like I'm, I'm looking for an IP camera to set up in my new indoor setup I got, and oh my God, that is so hard to source out, right? And he's got a great article on there, sorting all of that. He's got a great article sorting, you know, uh, with a lot of which I think is very balanced information on, on video uh, analysis programs and talking about the difference between, you know, just uh, um, uh, motion capture and video analysis. Yeah, I think that's that, one though.
1: thing that that Carl Val did really well. I don't think Carl is with Simply Faster anymore, but he was he was writing all of those sort of tech articles. Oh, and that's he? one is thing. He's that, the guy? Yeah, he's great. Yeah, I think he's that's great. one thing that he did a really good job of. Over but hey, back
0: to uh, but back to Tony's thing. So he <laughs> he took a bad. You are the only guy that he actually took. shot at like he 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 who he mentioned by name i'm pretty sure he was there's a there's one i think the third one there what is something about development i'm pretty sure that was a shot at me but but uh but he didn't mention me by name but man he mentioned you holy cow like um you know it's kind of weird because i met tony through you, 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 you told me, you say, Hey man, to, man, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta go meet this guy. You'll really like this guy. He's a great guy. So I went and had, I went and had breakfast with Tony. I didn't know who he was and um, we had breakfast and then I, and through him, I met a guy who's become one of my closest friends. Now, uh, Tom Novak, who's uh, a great um, uh, endurance coach here. And he, and he, coaches with uh, with uh, John O'Malley, who I had who I did that podcast with. But anyways, and this is the guy that you know, not only is he's a huge music fan, he's a Frank Turner super fan. So him and I spent 10 days traveling around the Midwest, following Frank Turner this year. And uh, did I tell you the story about Shackleton with him and I and Shackleton. So he, him and his wife, and me and my wife have become friends, right? And early on, maybe, you know, uh, maybe the fourth time we meet or something, we're we're having dinner or drinks at a pub or something. Where I remember we were outside a patio, and and one of us, I forget who it was, one of us said, "Yeah, yeah, you know, I'm a I'm a big uh, polar explorer uh, uh, buff, and uh, particularly uh, Shackleton," and both wives. At the same time just kind of hung their heads and shook their heads like oh fuck here we go and and then like the other i i think he said it and i and i went no way and i was like so am i like this right so we geeked out on this whole thing about shackleton for like an hour and the wives were just like fuck <laughs> these two are idiots and then so anyways <laughs> anyway but He's actually, him and I are preparing a, uh, a podcast on, on Shackleton and coaching, the leadership. Yeah, I think
1: podcast. you said that in one of your previous podcasts. Yeah,
0: yeah, but, but I, had a, I actually had a, an expert lined up
1: yeah, and then she, um, she thought you were an idiot or something.
0: Yeah, I, I'm positive that's what happened. She she yeah. probably she was all committed and everything. We were like we were going to do it the next week, and then she kind of like
1: oh, no, she I probably can't really listened to the first five minutes of one of our pods and said, yeah, "I'm exactly, not talking with this. Exactly. Yeah. I'm not
0: going on with this fucking moron." So, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, that's probably so, my fault. So okay, what's
1: that? I said that's probably my fault.
0: I'm sure it is. Yeah. Hey, so what's new with Altus? you you huge changes with you guys right you guys are out in atlanta now
1: yeah we moved i mean that's the biggest change um we're not doing yeah. anything different other than we're now doing it in atlanta other than in phoenix which is very different it's cold it's raining today um
0: yeah but that's didn't kind of, see of that, that change much. isn't it
1: i didn't have a cold day in phoenix in in almost nine years um you guys so that's yeah
0: nine years holy shit. Okay. yeah
1: eight and a half years moved there in march of 2013. wow yeah um so yeah, I mean, we're just exploring a new city and starting up new relationships with, with people in this city and seeing what we can do and looking forward to the next sort of the phase here, you know?
0: Good, good, but good. But
1: yeah, it's, it's um, other than that, we're just kind of kicking along and trying, you know, COVID uh, affected us as it affected a lot of different companies, right? So we did really good for the first six months of COVID where everybody was at home and looking to educate themselves in a, in a more you know, substantial way than, because they had the time to do it. So a lot of people came to us uh, for that, which was great. And then I think everybody kind of got zoomed out and educated out and everything kind of dropped off. And over the course of COVID, which was one of the really good things for many people and for the industry is, is many people who have been coaching for a while because they had the time, they were able to put together their own sort of educational materials and courses and things, right? So everybody came out of COVID, or many people came out of COVID with a course. Um, so, and a lot of them are really good. You know, there's some really good and smart people came out with some really good and smart courses. So, you know, where we went into COVID being, you know, one of the only players in this, in this field, at least doing it at the level that, that we are. We came out of COVID with now we're, you know, we're swimming in this big red water where everybody's sort of thrashing around trying to get their peace. Mm-hmm. So it's it's um you know, it's challenging for us in that respect now. You know, we have to think more about how we can continue separating our work and separating ourselves from everyone else who are or, or doing the same type of stuff. So that's kind of you know, from a a uh, strategic standpoint that's what we're working on now is how we can continue you know producing really really good work and and getting it into the hands of, of people who are interested in in reading it seeing it listening mm-hmm. to it
0: yeah well uh, i mean I, you know i always hate to be nice to you but it is an incredible resource i mean that foundation course alone is uh you know i was, I was pretty i was pretty proud to be part of that especially I, th- I think you know i always send
1: that's the only one that you ever say is good be- and it's only because well, i don't you know do-
0: any of the other ones i yeah, haven't right. seen them right so okay well I'm sure why don't you blood- take oh, some of them Jesus why don't you go Christ. through
1: I'm them so you give can give a fucking compliment and you yeah and but you're you not though. you're giving yourself a compliment because you wrote the thing
0: i i did not
1: write you're the saying thing. the foundation like, course is great because i did it
0: oh my god okay wow woo this is going to be good. Okay, all right, <laughs> fucker, we can do that. All no, it's a, right.
1: hey, Listen, Derek, I, I appreciate that. I have actually taken the time to take some of your courses and go through your coursework, unlike unlike you, with ours. And uh, I can say the same about uh, you know the the evil track site. I think it's great. I think your coursework is great. I think you're a great educator. I uh, I have no hey. problem saying that. Un- un- unlike you. And I, uh, I I wish that more people would find their way to your site because I think you you, you do really really good work, um, but you also share it in really really interesting ways. I like, think I think it's really good. I think it's, it's super share, underpriced. You know, forget it. Let's not go there. Oh, like your 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 um, you know your videos and stuff. They're great. You know like oh yeah your yeah. off the cuff stuff. You know when you're just talking to a camera. Like I really like that, but I also really like your more scripted stuff. That's over a. Uh, you know a, a presentation I really like that too I think you do a really good job of it
0: yeah thanks I think it's the stuff in the middle that's not great the stuff where I kind of script it and and use a script and try to go you know try to make it sound like it's like it's off the cup that stuff's not great but when I when I really sit down and and script it out and do a graphic or something I think that stuff's good and yeah and the stuff where I'm just thinking off the top of my head is okay too but it's it's the stuff in the middle that I just yeah, it just comes off as, yeah. So anyways, yeah, no, I think I found my groove, but I appreciate that. Hey, tell me about this uh, uh, this foundation you guys have, not the foundation course, but the foundation. I just read something online about that the other day for disadvantaged kids in
1: sport. Yeah, that's something you, we started.
0: Um, after the mistaken. George Floyd thing, right? You guys started something? Oh, no, it wasn't the George Floyd. Can you it not talk CMOS
1: about yeah, it was the Ahmad Arbery that, wow. um, that kicked it off. And we, you know, it's that's that's pretty close. I mean, it's, you know, you know, he's not an elite runner, but he was running, you know, and, and it, he was in, you know, the South and from a demographic that that we speak to a lot and work with a lot. So it was, um, you know, it was it, it hit, hit home more so than some of the other ones have hit home because he was just out running, you know. So we wanted to do something. Um, you know, so we start, we, we've talked about a foundation for a while, but that was basically the, the motivation to Hey, we got to do something here. Let's, let's see if we can, you know, so we try to reach out to him. We actually spoke with their lawyers and about possibly doing something, but they, they were speaking to people and, and corporations and institutions that were far in, 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 you know, in excess of what we could do. So we, but we thought that we could potentially maybe raise some money to help support underprivileged kids from, you know, minority backgrounds get, um, you know, help get them athletic scholarships, uh, to HBCU. So that's kind of what the, uh, Which HBCU, the whole goal HBCU. was, uh, historically Which, black HBCU. college and university. Mm-hmm. So we, we had this, um, you know, this, we did this zoom education event over the course of f- two days or four days last year where we had, um, you know, 1500 coaches sign up for it and we raised yeah, $120,000. And we were able to, um, you know, get a couple scholarships for kids to go to to HBCU. So we're going to continue that this year. Uh, this year, we're doing something a little bit different. Uh, it it's actually starts next week. So this is probably out already. It's probably maybe even finished already. But it's, um, you know, we're going to try and try and raise some money through a uh, online auction. So we've got a bunch of our friends, um, you know, whether it's NBA jerseys that are signed by different athletes, whether it's courses that we're giving out, whether it's, you know, I gave a uh, yeah, my 2014 opening ceremonies outfit, uh, my Olympic opening ceremonies outfit uh, or opening ceremony. Outfit.
0: Uh, so things like that. Oh, so winter. Uh, winter, Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The winter one. So we'll see, we'll see how it goes. Uh, hopefully we can raise some, some good money for this. And it's, uh, it's just something that we'll continue doing over the course of, of course, of the, you know, the next few and years. And there'll
0: be uh, for not, listeners, yeah. a part of that'll be, there'll be a, a bond or truck course and some stuff from my site. Or are you, or does that stuff not reach the standard you need for?
1: No, no, a hundred percent did those. Yeah. So okay, you can, good. you know, people can, can bid on uh, a Dr. B course and, and uh, you know, your parents course and a couple of other things. And, you, yeah. know, you know, Brett has given away some books and David Epstein gave some books and Brad Stolberg gave some books and Cal Newport. And, I'll see what else uh, I got you know,
0: kicking around that I, it's, I'll see if I got something worth anything around, I don't know if I have anything I tend not to I've given away every single the only thing I've ever kept national team type you know and I had a ton of it at one point right because I was on a lot of particularly world champs teams uh, I kept my opening. I kept my entire opening ceremonies uniform for 2012 right um, because that's something I want my kids to have you know down the road but uh, I'll, I'll, I'll dig around, see what I got. I might you have think a, they're
1: going to care about it.
0: Well, they might
1: after I'm, like I'm talking to about Tiana about that. Right. So Tiana's given us her, um, you know, Tiana Bartlett. Are you letters. trying to talk me out of this? Or are you trying to talk me into? No, games? no, no, no. I don't freaking nobody's going to bid on your 2012 opening ceremony. I mean, Fuck, who cares? So, you know, it's, it's, uh, Tiana gave us a, uh, some choices. Team USA winter puff coat, Team USA Nike roller bag. 2015 diamond league trophy a diamond league trophy or the 2016 ralph lauren closing ceremony outfit including the boat shoes i said hey i don't want to be auctioning off your diamond league trophy like that should mean something and she says you know it's um i don't care about all that you know i did it that was enough so that's that's you know that's cool you know that's just a great way to look at it it's, um, you know, it's probably means something more to that's someone else her. now at this point. For so that's yeah, that's cool. Awesome.
0: Good, good. Yeah. Hey, so, uh, well, I'm glad things are going well with Altus then. Um, hey, so what do you, what do you, next question? Uh, and, and then we'll, we'll I go, and then we'll get into some real stuff here. Well, it's, uh, it's already
1: 1045 here. So it's like, we don't yeah, have Yeah, yeah.
0: But you, you've got time you No,
1: doing. I don't have time. I, I, don't, I honestly don't. I maybe have half an hour. Oh my God. I don't have, okay. I don't well, have three hours. What did you do.
0: think of the latest podcast? on the site?
1: Uh, or have you listened to any of them? The James Baker one?
0: You probably didn't have time to listen to that one, but yeah, I'm listening. has anything jumped out at you lately? I mean, I know you like the Dan one for sure because you told me that. No, that. Yeah,
1: I mean, that was, that was a really good one. I think I told you that. That was, that was excellent. I mean, it's, um, I've never heard Dan speak to that amount of uh, detail about, you know, what he went through. I've, you know, we've spoken about it from your perspective. So it's, there was nothing that was surprising there, but Dan hasn't. So that was really good. Yeah. I thought that was important. And for Dan
0: to come out like that, I know it, for those who know him might've seemed like he was, you know, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how to say it, but that is, I mean, you have to understand how big a deal that is for him to come out and, and be that, even that, you know, uh, open personally, hundred uh, I mean. percent. That's a, that's a big I've known Dan. I mean, you've
1: known Dan same same length yeah. of time as I have, right? So, you know, over twenty five years. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that stuff, and he's just gone public with all that stuff, right? Yeah. So that's, you know, he he alludes to it from time to time, but never really speaks to it with that much detail. So it's as I said, I think it's I thought that was a really good, honest, and interesting conversation, which are the best conversations to listen to, right? Yeah. Thanks. Um, hey,
0: uh, did did uh, you listen to the Dale Stevo podcast? Yeah, that was good.
1: I really like that. What did you think it's of his? Uh,
0: what What did you think of uh, his little system he's developed there? Uh, it's interesting to me. I've been thinking so much about it, and I'm, I'm him and I've been going back and forth trying to get a work out a date for um, the next one. But uh, you know, because I got a whole bunch of follow up questions. But in particular, what it is is this, and I'll just. I'll just review it for the listeners it's the uh it's this he operates the way he chooses his loads his methodology essentially the core of it is to work off of a uh a four a four-day rolling average of how okay so dale dale Stevo stevenson coaches tom Walsh, two-time olympic bronze medalist in the shot 2290 shot putter any other time in history, he'd be the gold medalist and all those things. He just happens to be the guy throwing 2290 when there's two other guys throwing further and one guy shattering the world record. Oh my God. Um, Anyways, and he, uh, Dale is a, uh, you know, before this was not even really, I don't, he's not, wasn't even a really professional coach. He kind of walked into that job as a former athlete and he's come, I, this is one of the questions I got to ask him is whether he came up with this system or it's, he developed, or he saw, I don't know. I don't know how it came up, it evolved, but he has a system where he works off this four day rolling average. So they, they're like us, they throw every day. Okay. Um, and so let's say it's Wednesday morning and they come out to train and they, the first thing they warm up, then they throw. And so he takes the results from that session, plus the results from the three, the throwing sessions, the three days before he averages them out. And then from there, he has a whatever the wherever the distance is, there's a scale. And that scale is sort of an inverse um, in, in terms of intensity. It's sort of an inverse uh, um, scale in terms of what he is going to prescribe for the rest of Wednesday's workout. So, for instance, if Tom throws you know, um, if, if the, if that four day average after the Wednesday morning session is really high, then what he does is he, I mean, you can also think of the scale as, as places on the force velocity curve, right? So it'll, if, if Tom throws really well and it's a one, then he'll go to, I think there's five levels on the scale, then he'll go five, and I may have the numbers wrong, but it doesn't Yeah, what do, you, what do you mean
1: by that? If, if he throws really well and it's a one, what's a one? What, what, okay. Is that subjective rating?
0: So let's say, okay, so he's got this average after Wednesday morning. It's, a, it's an average of Wednesday morning plus the three mornings before, Tuesday, whatever, yeah, average, whatever. Average of what? The average
1: distance of the throw?
0: Distance of the throw, yeah. Okay. All right. So it's not just based on Wednesday morning. It's based on Wednesday morning plus Tuesday, Monday, Sunday, or whatever whatever the four throwing days are prior to that. And let's say that's let's say that's twenty one seventy. Okay. And in training, uh, let's say you know that's really really high for him. That's a really high. Let's call that a one. Okay. One being the furthest. Five being, you know, if he is like, oh, God, he had a horrible day through like shit, okay? Right? Let's say that there's... I think there's four zones, but whatever. Let's call it five. doesn't matter. Then what he'll do is he has another scale that's inverse one to five of where they will lift that day, and I'm assuming maybe with other exercises too, special exercises or whatever. He will... One being, you know, it's very intense. So one is actually, you know, uh, dynamic eccentric, fast eccentrics, right? Okay. And if well, it, his, his most his, his
1: most intense one was a, you know, a, a really slow heavy eccentric, and then his next more intense one was, was, the, was the it fast slow
0: eccentric. eccentrics? I thought it was just fast. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. whatever it is, whatever it is, let's let's say it's an accentuated
1: a, eccentric was his his five or his four, and okay? Then a fast okay. Eccentric. So. Excellent.
0: So when the when the when the results are up, he then they prescribe uh, the most you know the most intensive or the hev- or the heaviest, let's call it, lifting for the rest of that day, and he keeps doing this. And then Thursday is the same, except the average is based on Wednesday. Wednesday, it's Thursday morning, Wednesday, Tuesday. Morning. So I have a question
1: for you then. So if if the way that you understand it, say his average is high it's a it's a whatever it is it's what if five is the highest number then it's it's five and then then and then he does the. well i said one whatever whatever it is i don't care whatever whatever that number is, let's not confuse
0: people let's just say it's one let's say in throws one one represents the furthest five represents the lowest yeah it's it's irrelevant so
1: let's just say that his rolling average is super high it's at the highest level yeah okay so he does then, he, he pairs that with the most intense weight room session, right? Yeah. And then he throws the next day, and the level is still high. Mm-hmm. And then he pairs that again with the most intense weight room session. Mm-hmm. Is that how you read it? Yeah. So he could potentially be doing three or four or even five days in a row where he's doing accentuated eccentrics. I, yeah. I didn't read it that way in that conversation that I listened That's, to. That is, so, well. But I you've had more conversations with
0: well, no. The only conversation I had with him was what you heard on the podcast. So, so you said you
1: went. Okay.
0: No, no, no. I'm I I I've been going back and forth with him about setting a date to have another oh, podcast gotcha. to get gotcha. deeper into. Yeah, it. that's
1: that's yeah. So that's not how, what I heard, and that I would disagree with that because you get on a bit of a roll from a throwing perspective, and that role could last a few days. And, you know, why would you, you know, so you're going to pair that now with heavy, heavy centric work for a few days running that, that makes little sense to me.
0: Well, okay. To be fair, we don't know what the volumes are. Okay. We don't know, um, you know, he, 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 although I can tell you this through having that conversation in the podcast, you know, he and I talked about, you know, he, he's very much like what we would do, which is. Uh, a lot of smaller doses more often. So that, you know, I can tell you that. I don't think they go, I don't think he, these heavy eccentrics, and I thought he said they were more dynamic eccentrics, but I could be wrong. Um, I, I, you know, it doesn't mean, I don't think he's going in there and kicking the living shit out of them. Um, so we don't really know what the volume, what the overall what the overall load is, okay, specifically. We just know what the zone that they're working in is. So, uh, but I find it quite interesting. So the, and I've been thinking a lot about, it, cause it's the absolute polar opposite in that sense of what we do, which is we hold the, we hold the stimulus constant to the, to the extreme and let the results adapt to the stimulus where his stimulus stimulus is literally changing every single workout. Based upon this four day rolling average. Remember, it's a four day rolling average. It's not, it's not the one day. And I, I think what he would say to you is there's very few days where that happens, where, you know, if he, the whole point of doing that um, is to keep the load, you know, is to is to load him enough that he doesn't stay high all the time. But here's the question that I should have asked in the, in the podcast that I didn't, because as soon as he described it to me, my mind was just like, go, oh. I was like, fuck, this is pretty cool. I was thinking about it. I, I, there's a couple of questions that I wanted to ask him. Number one is like, does he do that into, into the competition phase? There must be some, there must be some accommodation for when he's going into, in, into a, um, into a competition period or leading up to a competition, because it doesn't sound like it sounds to me like the way he has it set up. And I know that this is not the This is not what happens because he wouldn't still be doing it. If that, this is what was happening but it sounds like the ultimate maintenance phase is what it is because every time the athlete is high in results, you're loading them to bring them down right? So you're and with the way that the the two, uh, the two scales are inverse to each other, if I'm understanding it, right, then, um, you know, there's a, you know, what what you're what you're loading in the rest of the workout is, is always sort of mat uh, inversely matching what you are doing. Although I guess if the results in throwing are moderate, then you're going to end up moderate, you know, so it, it would be interesting to see some of the data from that and see how often that they, they do the, that, that he throws really far and they do the eccentrics and, and, how, you know, um, I just found it, I just found it quite interesting, you know?
1: Yeah. Uh, unless what they're doing is, and I don't know, I don't know. I mean, I'd that, that maybe need to go back and listen to the podcast again. I have, listen to a, a second conversation between you guys but unless he's he's actually pairing the opposite and if you're in a you know this high high average where you're at number 1 or number 5 or whatever end of that continuum it is and you're actually pairing this not with the heavy eccentric not with the most intense load but the least intense load which i think his zone 1 was like ballistic i think that's what he called it like just lighter loads moved right. fast well- Quick, quick amortization. So, well, 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 I I don't know. I mean, well, there was one.
0: There was if if he threw really poor. If the average was really poor, they did nothing. Right, they go home. So, what you just described would probably be the second step up from that. So, Mm.
1: anyways, yeah, but yeah, I thought it was it was really interesting the way for me because he also got a subjective rating as well. Right. He got a subjective rating from the athlete as yeah, well as his point. subjective rating of the session. So the way in which he was marrying, you know, the, the quantitative work with the qualitative work was, was really interesting to me. So it's uh, yeah, it's, it's good. It's it, for me, you know, when, when I listen to conversations like that, I don't necessarily get too caught up on the details, but on, you know, his his, philosophy behind why he's doing it that way and that's where I look and what well, can i can I learn from that and mm-hmm. you know that was one of the few conversations I've listened to lately that sort of made me sort of think about what I do and whether there's better ways for me to marry the the qualitative and the quantitative which is obviously what we do you know we try to do every day in the sprints world right we're always looking at the mechanics which is you know just our coaching eye trying to understand why an athlete moves a certain way and making decisions based upon that but we also make decisions based upon how fast they're moving as well or how much weight they're moving in the weight room so it's it's you know that's what coaching sprinters is probably more than almost any other uh event in any, any other sport and i think with what you do which is is very much based on on um you know the quantification methods you know basically just measuring these metrics and making decisions based upon the metrics and not necessarily on how people are moving because you assume that the metrics are going to be you know super good if they're moving super good and vice versa so it's yeah i thought i thought it was an interesting conversation there were some good things to ponder for me and i listen i you know i look forward to part two of that if you can
0: yeah yeah well you know i i talked about it i you probably didn't listen to the uh podcast with harvey um in britain but
1: uh, yeah i listened you, to that you did
0: you really why would i listen to a lot you? of all your stuff, I'm, I'm impressed i listen to
1: every single one of them you do wow okay yes.
0: well that's good to know yeah. i'm going to take yeah. more shots at you're, you in the you're
1: a friend of mine so i try to support you so that means i go on your website and i take your courses and i listen to your podcasts and i share them with the community and say hey Derek does good stuff. You should listen to it, oh read God, it, watch that's it, a, learn from yeah, him. Yeah, that's a yeah, that's kind of what words. friends should do for other friends yeah. or people should do for other people in general. Yes.
0: Thank you very much. Okay. Well, having said that, sure. so then you listen to the, Har- the Harvey podcast and, you know, we were talking about that and, and uh, you know, in, in there I said, well, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, as a, as a up and coming co I wouldn't call Harvey so much up and coming, but as a, as a coach that is just getting into, you know, he, he has aspirations to be a, probably a national to international level sprint coach. And he's a very bright dude. Richard Weeder put me together with him. You know, I said, you know, I just use that as an example. I said, well, you know, as a, as a young coach looking out there for, you know, uh, you know, researching methods, methodologies, from which you want to, you know, draw from to build your own methods and methodology. You know, here you have two very successful uh, programs or methods. You, you got the Bonner Chuck, which we know has been successful. And I know it's been successful because uh, I've done it and it's worked. And then you have Stevo there and they're in that sense, how they—I mean—they could not be more opposite, right? They could not be more opposite in terms of how they manage load, polar opposite. And I said, you know, like, how would you decide which, you know? And he gave a—he gave a good answer. And then I said, and then he asked me, you know, well, you know, like, what do you think? I said, well, you know, I would look at for the similarities between the two, right? I think that's more important than looking than. Than, uh, you know, uh, obsessing over what the, you know, the fact that these two are so different, but they both produced, you know, I, I would look for the similarities and there's far more similar. Like, number one, you know, they throw every, they throw in every session. That's the same thing we do. Number two, they use metrics as a guide to, you know, as, you know, not, maybe not the only guide, but as a guide to, you know, managing load and, On and on and on. Oh, and they're, and they, uh, you know, they throw all year round. They're specific all year round. They use basically a complex methodology, Uh, maybe not in terms of intensity, but in terms of exercise. So, anyways, I just thought it was the whole thing was.
1: yeah, that's, that's, that's really good advice, right? That's what we should do with when we're trying to judge everything, right? With all of the disparate information that's out there, we don't, we don't focus so much on the differences, but we focus on the commonalities between them. Mm-hmm. You know, we look at the people who are doing good things well for a long period of time. And there's a bunch of people doing that. And you look at what, you know, what glues them all together, mm-hmm. you know, you, you can make the same sort of what you talked about with Dr. B and what, uh, you know, Dale Stevens is doing you know you look at the same you know that same sort of generation dr b came from so you look at what Abajev did or angel spasov did or or others you know from the same sort of area doing the same sorts of things and there's some differences oh that are really interesting right mm-hmm. but and you can learn from those differences but i think we learn more when you look at a bunch of different successful coaches we're going to learn what actually works when you see when you're seeing and understanding those commonalities and those similarities so you know when you look at abadjev and spasov and, and bondachuk and others you know specificity was a big thing frequency was a big thing and that's one thing i got from you you know which is probably the smartest thing you've ever said to me we had a conversation in portugal i remember that and you you talked about one of these bondachuk principles that i don't think is a bondachuk phrase. That's a, it's a Derek Evely phrase that I think you should, you should use more often because I think it could be the next surf in the curve okay. or the next feed the cats, right. but the compression of specific abilities. Yes. And I think that's a really important thing. Find out what it is that yeah. we're doing, yeah. compress that in space and time. I think it's really important. And then, you know, yeah, there's some differences in intensity, but those are the general three, right? Specificity, frequency, and intensity. And uh, and don't get let's not get caught up on all of the unique differences that these guys all do or that that coaches all do. But let's look at what's actually common to the, all the good ones.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. No, for sure. For sure. So, hey, uh, so let's let's do a. I I know you don't have too much. time. Let's, hey, what's this? This spikes question that uh came up on twitter yesterday when you when you tweeted out that we would be talking you said hey if you guys you know you guys anybody out there wants to um wants to do uh uh or if anybody has any anything that you want us to talk about somebody came back with something about the nike spikes and now you're gonna have to educate me on it because i'm not really sure what he or she was talking about and
1: well, I've got it here. So, Alex Curry, interested to know your thoughts on the Nike Super Spikes and their effect on an indoor 60 meters versus what we saw over the 100. Um, well, I mean, I, I I personally feel, and I haven't, quote unquote, done the research here, and other people have, um, that the Nike Super Spikes will help maximum speed or maximum velocity more so than it will acceleration. So you would think it would have a greater effect on the 100 than it would on the 60. What are the Nike Super Spikes? Remember,
0: you're talking to me here, and I've been out of sprints for a while.
1: Yeah, well, it's just, it's, I mean, you haven't been. You know what we're talking about. I don't know what
0: you're talking about. I don't know. I don't know. Dude, you'd you'd be shocked at what I don't know that's going on in the track world, man. I get my head buried in,
1: so there's 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 a there's a foot length carbon fiber plate. Okay. Nothing super new in that, but then there's this foam. It's I can't remember what it's what it's actually made of now, but this this foam thing I think it's twelve millimeters or maybe a little bit more than twelve meter, twelve millimeters uh, long. And then there's another carbon fiber Longer plate thick. as well. So now it's what's gone to just you know, either full foot plates that weren't carbon fiber or a three quarter plate or a half quarter plate or, or a half plate is now two plates plus, plus a piece of foam. So it's essentially the sprint version of the, uh, you know, of the marathon shoes that came out a few years ago that now seen all the marathon world records broken. So, so, so there's hold, a fear. hold on,
0: this 12 millimeter foam, is it, it's, that's what these two carbon plates are sandwiching? Is it 12, if it's 12 millimeters thick then, not 12 mil, millimeters? You said 12 millimeters
1: long. No, no, it's 12, meter, 12 millimeters thick. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's sandwiched between the two plates. Okay. And this runs um, the whole length
0: of the shoe. So it's basically the foot.
1: One, yeah, one of the plates runs the, the length of the entire shoe. The foam is only on the forefoot. Okay. And then one of the, obviously, one of the, 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 the I think it's the inner plate is only the forefoot. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, I, I think that World Athletics should have put a kibosh on all of these when the when all the distance shoes started changing. Um, I think it's too late now. The Cat's out of the bag. I think it's too late to turn the boat around. Um, and I think we, we just don't know. I think one of the big fun things about track and field is, you know, we can. You know, to some extent, compare across generations. Yeah, the shoes are a little bit better, you know, the tracks are a little bit better. But now, you know, with this, it doesn't allow us to do that anymore because they're now significantly better. You know, there's there has been some research that shows that the new shoes affect maximum velocity up to three to four percent.
0: And that's significant.
1: That's never we've never seen that before, right? How? What's what's the what's the
0: science behind it? Like what's the
1: uh, it doesn't affect ground contact time, it only affects flight time. So it's making a three to 4% increase, or I think it's more than that increase in flight time, while maintaining the same contact time. So basically, you're bouncing, so it's up.
0: almost making the athlete stronger, in a sense, like, because giving them greater, st- yeah. greater stride, right,
1: and stronger, and, you know, quote, unquote, stiffer. So, you know, if you look at that, you know, that um, signature, you know, the same sort of flight time, same sort of uh, contact time with it with an increased flight time, you would think that that's going to improve maximum velocity more than it would necessarily with acceleration, right? With acceleration, you kind of want to be on the ground a little bit longer, you want a slightly shorter uh, flight time. So it's, uh, I don't think that it's going to necessarily aid in You know, 60s across the board, like it did with the 100 and like it did with the 200, like it did with the 400. I think it's worth for most people about a tenth of a second per 100 meters. I think we, you know, it's kind of what we saw across the board that most of the athletes improved by a tenth to 1500s in the 100, two to three tenths in the 200, and up to screwed if you don't don't have these spikes. Uh, from yeah, for most, I mean, but some still, you know, Usain Bolt didn't have those spikes, he ran 958. And there's still been some really fast times in the course of time. Yeah, that's a great question, right? Right. He for sure would have ran way faster than 958 because of the way that he runs. He's this big bouncing, Mm -hmm. galloping beast, you know? Um, Yeah, the world record would be out of sight if it's not already out of sight. So it's, um, yeah, to answer Alex's question, I don't think we're going to see significant changes in the 60 it might you know we might see three or four hundreds because you know a lot of these kids are close to back speed at simply 40.
0: because of what you said it 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 just it, simply because it has what more I said. of an effect on right. on upright sprinting than it does acceleration right. because oh wow yeah. wow i yeah. had i didn't i honestly did not know any of this wow
1: yeah the, ca- the caveat to all of what i just said is you know it's so i coached um one person with new super spikes last year kind of was, sorry, two. One hated them. He hated them. And it just didn't seem to work well for him at all. Uh, the girl, Jody Williams, came sixth in the Olympics in 400. She really hard to train in. Like I think you're going to see some calf problems some Achilles problems from them, at least with athletes, they're going to train in them a lot Mm -hmm. because it's, you know, it just puts much more stress on the, on the, uh, on the lower uh, posterior limbs um, and the feet. And, um, and I had two others who used them, but, you know, so I don't have a big, massive group that, you know, like a Puma group or a Nike group that changed every single person's spikes and they they'll probably have a, a slightly more educated viewpoint than what i would where i just you know just had three or four people and i've talked to a lot of people about it so it's uh, that's the caveat i could very well be Did,
0: wrong is there any other shoe companies coming out with these yeah
1: it's not just nike i mean it's nike and uh, you know jody's puma so oh. the pumas are are pretty similar they've they've done a a really good job of designing some you know some some really fast spikes that are so nike wasn't able to patent them. that
0: so nobody else could use the technology
1: no that's one of the, the world athletics rules that it has to be available to right, everybody right right, of course
0: oh yes of course yeah well that makes sense
1: yeah in fact, in fact nike did a really great marketing uh tool where they you can buy white label versions of this spike and then put your own brand on it oh so it's, you know, they, uh, one of their their commercials uh, or advertisements was that spike, but with Adidas stripes on it or Reebok, I don't know Reebok even exists anymore, but you know, on athletics and, um, you know, ASICs, you know, all of their insignia on the side of this of their spikes says we don't care, we just want people moving faster or something. Right. I mean, it was, it was a really interesting advertising, sure,
0: sure, yeah, um. So can can and so I assume that people can just buy these off the shelf.
1: Yeah, they're they're hard to get. I mean it's it's um they're not that easy just to go off and buy them off because you know they as they're as they're made, people buy them because they make, make you faster. Right. right. So it's uh right. I know they have stocking issues. Right,
0: right, right. Okay. All right. Wow. That's how much do they run? What does a pair run? Cost wise. Uh
1: 240, 250 something mm.
0: like
1: that. Wow. Yeah. They're, you know, they're pricey. There's already a couple of, I mean, Nike are two generations in now. Um, and there's, you know, there's a couple other versions as well. Wow. So,
0: okay. Well, that was, well, good. All right. So, um, so let's do the strength question. So, um, so this, this, you know, and I sent you the, some screenshots of it. So where is it here? Um this question on the uh what surfing the curve right right so surfing the curve so what are your thoughts on that so i guess the basic question was um hang on i'm gonna just let it go silent for a bit because i I have to dig this up i thought i i I know i had it here and i gotta
1: well i've got it because i'm generally more organized than you
0: oh jesus yeah yeah whatever uh Bring it up. Da, 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 da. there we go there we go so is there any is evidence there any evidence that,
1: the is,
0: is there any evidence that surfing the curve is important or is it just a massive assumption so by surfing the curve i i assume what this guy's saying is sorry not this guy jump science is saying is uh, oh and he copied me and ryan krauser on it which was interesting so uh, surfing the curve um, means, you know, hitting all points on the force velocity curve, um, and I should say that, you know, the graphic here is just the lower part of the force velocity curve didn't include eccentrics, um, but I'm assuming it, it, that's, that's inherent in the question as well so. So what are your thoughts on that. I mean, did you see that question as that as You know, I guess, you know, and and some people piped in saying, well, you know, I lifting at 20% intensity, I guess that means 20% 1RM or whatever is pointless, like, you know, uh, fast quote unquote lifting is pointless. I mean, you know, these are hard questions to, to reply to on Instagram, because they're so context based, right? Like the answer has to be so context based. And um, like, what are your thoughts on that? Or do you want me to give mine first? No, I mean, I
1: can give mine. And there's, there's a couple of things there. Number one is, is surfing the curve. As I said earlier, sounds good. It's, it's a nice marketing phrase and tool. And we need to be careful that we don't get distracted by that. We have some sort of mm-hmm. assumption of its efficacy because of how cool it sounds. Uh, And then, you know, feed the cats is another example of that. And I'm not making any judgment against feed the cats, but it's, you know, let's not, let's not assume that feed the cats is this incredible thing because it sounds incredible. It does. Let's, let's actually look at the methods that, that underpin the feed the cats, quote unquote, system or the surfing the curb. I I actually
0: have no clue what the methods are that underpin feed the cats.
1: Yeah. I I don't either. I mean, that's not neither here nor there. I'm not, like I said, I'm not making a judgment on it at all, but let's, let's not judge something by it's, it's, um, it's nomenclature. Let's judge it by the the details. So what we're saying is, is working across or doing work at different points of the force velocity curve. So you're doing heavy stuff, medium stuff, and light stuff, heavy stuff, kind of slowly, medium stuff, a little bit faster and Lighter stuff, way faster. Now, is that surfing the curve, or is surfing the curve five points on the curve, or ten points on the curve, or fifteen points on the curve? Right. So that's that's the question. And then inherent in that question, as again or as well, is the answer is going to be different for every single individual that we come across. Um, actually, let's 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 get to the first question first. The first question was: Is there any evidence? And there probably is evidence because that, it, that, that work did come out of, of ETSU, Stone and, and Deweyce and those guys. And I think they came up with some papers that showed that this is you know a, a I don't know if there's, there's, there's evidence that shows that it's better than a sort of a traditional polarized approach where you just do heavy and light and there's nothing much in the middle. I don't know if there's research that shows that, but they did show some supportive research of the importance of quote unquote um, surfing the curve. But that again is evidence on average across populations and doesn't speak to individuals and we're always need to be, um, you know, uh, aware or, you know, of the importance of writing programs for the people in front of us, not writing programs for what the research tells us about the average of a cohort. So it's that's first and foremost. And then Second, Well,
0: I, I, uh, let me just jump in. I would also add to that, that, you know, the, the where the athlete is uh, not just who they are and their individual characteristics, but where they are on the developmental continuum is a huge factor in this.
1: So are you saying there then like, if, if, if you know, I'm making an assumption on what you say, if, if there's um, somebody's younger, they're earlier on the developmental continuum would you then have a less complex program where they're just doing heavier stuff and super light stuff so you're working on less points on that curve and then they work over the over the course of time to do more points is that what you're saying or is it something different than that
0: no i'm I'm i would add not just uh where they are uh in terms of age but in also in terms of training experience right like training age So, you know, the last training age they have or the younger they are, uh, really kind of the way I look at it, and this is oversimplifying it, but is that they would be lower down on the curve, right? Would would be the bulk of their work, right? More with more lower intensities, body, you know, starting with body weight and working your way up uh, the curve. That's what, that's the way I look at it. Um, Right. Uh, or that's what I meant by that
1: so yeah no that makes sense and then uh, and and
0: I mean I've always been a big believer that you should hit at some point through development whether or not it's you know uh, within a given one given annual plan or one long-term cycle that's another discussion but I think you you know all athletes need to hit a number of different places on the force velocity curve but your points well taken that you know like <laughs> you could have a thousand points on the force velocity curve or you could have four it it you know it it really depends on how black and white you want to look at it and 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 you and i have we had we you and i and matt had a huge discussion on your blog about this about you know you know the idea. I guess the at the at the core of this, the idea gets back to this age-old question, which we discussed, which is, you know, how much maximal strength do you need? And and people get wrapped up in that question. And I think a better question is is you know is is starting with the assumption that yes, you need it to certain degrees in certain events. Uh, you know, depending on which event you're in, it's the better question is how are you going to get it. Right. And that's where it, it, you know, this discussion, I think is more, uh, is more beneficial.
1: Yeah. So I'll give you a speed example of that. Right. So is maximum speed, um, important for a sprinter? Obviously it is right.
0: Maximum speed or maximum
1: strength? No speed.
0: Speed. Maximum, okay, speed.
1: Yeah. maximum speed is important yeah. for a sprinter. That's, 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 right. that's very clear what we talked about quite a bit and what many people have had these conversations is that doesn't tell you necessarily what to do to work on maximum speed and it doesn't necessarily mean that the only way to work on maximum speed is by sprinting maximally and each individual athlete as you're as you're insinuating with strength will exist somewhere on that continuum as to where they develop that maximum speed some will require maximal efforts or not necessarily require, but maybe that's the best method of working on maximal speed is by sprinting maximum. Others are better off doing maybe a little bit more repetitions at 90% of their maximum speed. And they will improve their maximum speed by working at 90% rather than not at 100%. And it's the same with strength. The only, that not the, if, if, the, if the objective is to get maximally strong, there's many methods to do that. The only the, the the there's not the only method isn't, or one method, I don't know what I'm trying to say there, but it's not just about lifting maximally every time. That's not the only way to get strong. There's many, many powerlifting methods all over the continuum that show many different uh, methodologies around that. And it's the same with sprinting, right? So when you that's that's what it comes to, the individual uh, individual nature of the question that he asked is it depends on that individual in front of you. And let's say, let's assume now that the, the person is, is elite. Like that's an elite athlete. So it's take away the whole developmental question. It still depends. It still depends 100% on, on what the sport is and how that athlete is. Like I, people who, I think, it, again, people get really caught up in all of the minutiae around all this where mm-hmm. it's, it's, you know, let's just ask the question, why are we doing what we're doing there? you know, where, where it sits on our list of hierarchical KPIs and put the, you know, that requisite amount of importance upon it and no more, you know, Mm -hmm, (laughs) like mm -hmm. it's it's surfing the curve for me is, all right, we're going in the weight room for a few different reasons. One is to get strong. One is for some athletes to get a bit bigger, develop some sort of hypertrophy or work capacity, and some is to work on speed strength. And there's some other, other sort of other reasons. Injury
0: prevention, things like that. Yeah,
1: there's some other ones as well. You know, you're looking at long chain fascial stuff and ballistic stuff and, you know, stiffness and some other ones that are kind of, you know, put aside. They're they're not really, um, you know, um, not about what we're talking about here. But if we look at those three things, you know, get a bit bigger, get a bit faster, or move, you know, move weight faster, or get a bit stronger. And then that's how I sort of set up my zones on that curve. So maximum strength for me, which is zone three in our, in our uh, terminology, is anything that's above about 85% of 1RM, about. And some people will get really, really strong on 85%, and some people won't. And it's just about figuring out where they are in that, is it 85%, is it 90%, is it 85%, is it 100%, whatever. But for me, there's not a big difference across the board. That's, we're just working on getting stronger. That's our goal. What do we need to do in the weight room to get stronger? Now in the middle zone two, the hypertrophy work capacity stuff, somewhere in between sort of 60 and 85% of one RM, which means we're doing reps of somewhere between seven and 15. And we're, you know, more, you know, greater time and attention, you know, greater density, but it doesn't really matter if they're doing eights or tens or twelves, as long as we understand what the objective is here and we're reaching our objective. And at the other end, you know rate of force development or dynamic strength or whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, something under 60%-ish of their 1RM and moving the bar as fast as they can. And for some people, it's, you know, they'll do really well at 40%. Some people, it's really well at 45%. Some, it's 50%. And that's as, as complex, as I feel, that most people need to get unless they're working with powerlifters or Olympic weightlifters.
0: Yeah. I, uh, there's two things there. Number one is you you can also translate all of those numbers into speeds. If you're using bar velocity as your, as your measurement. And number two is intent, right? Intent is really important as well. Right. I mean, for, do you, you know, I, I like, I mean, for me uh, with a thrower, I like to just sort of, I, I don't know exactly where this would be because I never test for one RM and I never use that anymore. I always use bar velocity to determine the loads, but everything has to be of maximal, maximal intent. Right. Um, and in turn, and what that means, you know what that means, but it means, you know, they're moving it as quick as they can with, you know, the best technique that they can. And, and, um, you know, I think that, uh, for me that with a thrower that probably sits right in that zone, uh, below 85, just below 85%, 60, somewhere between 70 and 70, 70 and 80%. But with, you know, at reps of the reps are essentially, five to six, not because that's a magic number, but I like the, I like to see that the last few reps are moving as fast or almost as fast as the first few, that kind of thing. And I find, so, uh, you know, I guess the, the term that uh, at least in this chart would be strength, speed, as opposed to speed strength, but we also do speed strength. I will switch it up from, you know, things. And I am, you know, lately, you know, I'm, I'm eager to explore the eccentrics. Uh, with throwers and, and uh, you know, so what are your thoughts on that?
1: <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's not, I kind of went nowhere with that, but yeah, you didn't, yeah. He didn't really say anything that. I thoughts on. Yeah. The importance of intent and intent is, is clearly extremely important for sure. Um,
0: I just thought it was an important point to, me, to mention. Yeah, no, it is, you, it is. Yeah, So I, I
1: can't disagree. You know, intent intention is not important. I'm so I'm, 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 with you hundred percent. The, the intent to move the bar as fast as you possibly can, regardless of the weight on the bar, is really important. But also, you know, we, we sometimes get caught thinking about just what I just said there, moving a bar. And if we're looking at, you know, quote unquote, surfing the curve, there's many other ways to do that. Body weight at the, at the one end, the lighter implements, medicine balls, um, heavy medicine balls, different, you know, different dumbbells, kettlebells, and then up to the barbells and, and Im- movable objects so it's um you know i th- i think all can be um significant and 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 good pieces of a, of a successful program i just think sometimes we just get caught up in all the details of this you know where it's
0: no no totally totally and and people get into their you know get into silos and you know black and white i think, I think one of the comments on this one was somebody said something like yeah i i yeah, uh you know moving light Um, probably, I think it was, it was a fair question probably has little to no transfer. Uh, But, you know, I mean, that's a, you know, you have to put that into context. I mean, if moving light weights quote unquote has no transfer, then why would a shot putter throw a heavy shot or do a special exercise that mimics the pattern, what we call an SDE specific development exercise. So it's gonna be of, you know, it's going to be fast. uh, It's gonna mimic part of say the shot put delivery. Like, why would you do that? Because that's not, you're not throwing, you know, you're moving, you're essentially doing a strength exercise in the pattern of the competitive event. We know that those, those have the most transfer of anything. So how can you, you know, obviously the movement pattern is really important because
1: I, I, th- I think that that's just sense? a, a, such a narrow view of, yeah, it's, it's just a really narrow view of it. And I think it's using the incorrect terminology and, and looking at this of, of the whole purpose of moving heavier things around uh, in the wrong way. And I think that's, that's another conversation yeah. for another podcast around transfer and what people mean by transfer. thats It's just people are totally confused about what that word means Mm -hmm. and how to use it properly. You know, it's, it's just, it's just incorrect. Yeah. It's like nothing is going to quote unquote transfer unless you're just doing the competitive exercise. Everything else is you can speak about the degree of relatedness to the exercise, but you can't, you can't speak to the transference of it. You can, you can speak to the relatedness of it. And some things are related uh, one generation away and some are many, many generations away, but that doesn't mean that we don't do it because it might be, it might be related to something that underpins some of the other exactly. things that are important to the competitive exactly. exercise. Right? So it's, you know, for example, say you've got a, a shot putter and we know that strength potential for the shot putter is, is important now. And, and let's say we, decide to, to work on their strength potential by doing some uh, immovable isometrics, right? We're doing a, a mid-thigh pull. That's many generations away from throwing a shot. But it's probably important, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know? It's, pro- it's probably yeah, yeah. important. It underpins the capacity to do work. You know, it, can, it underpins the physical manifestation mm-hmm. of it. So whether it's, that's a deadlift or a mm-hmm. squat, so we're a little closer now to throwing a shot put, but it's still a few generations away. A deadlift is a few generations away from throwing a shot, but it's a little bit closer than doing a mid-thigh pull. But that, that capacity, you know, the total or maximum amount of work that you're able to do underpins the expression of that in a sport-specific manner. It, it underpins the ability to do that. So now to you know it's it's you're throwing a shot maybe you're throwing a heavy shot maybe you're throwing a, a heavy a medicine ball you know this is 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 you know it's sports it's, it's more specific it's closer it's now only a couple generations away from actually throwing the shot and that ability the expression of that capacity yeah. underpins the technique the application of the sport specific ability but without context, you know, so you you take all the information out. So it's that's training basically for most of us, for most athletes, most of the time, you're working on technical stuff. You're closer now, you're a generation or so away. And that technique, that underpins the application of that technique actually in context, which is the skill. And everything that's not actually, if you're not actually doing the skill, performing the skill in context, you can't talk about what you're doing is transferring or not. It's not. Mm -hmm. You can say it's it's applicable, or you can say that it underpins something that is applicable, or you can you can say that it's related to the mm-hmm. skill. But if you're doing something that's not the actual skill in context, it's not quote unquote transferring. Mm-hmm. And, and again, I think that's a that's a that's probably a conversation.
0: And I think and I think uh, everything you just said is exactly how Bondarchuk sees it. The problem is is he didn't actually. I don't I don't think he actually had offered that conversation in any of his transfer books, right, with the tables, right? Because I can, and the reason I say that is because, you know, like you look at the numbers in his transfer of training books uh, in the throws tables and they will, you know, clearly, you know, the the classic throws lifting exercises, according to his numbers uh, from all these experiments he did were are low. And some of them very low transfer. And some of them even have negative transfer.
1: Uh, yeah, know, well, that's my point. I mean, I think people have got caught up on that. Right. It's the wrong word. And I think he's done a disservice there to people. I mean, it's maybe it's you know, not necessarily him.
0: Well, because, no, but I, but he does those exercises.
1: Yeah, that, that's fine. Do the you exercises, know? but don't yeah. talk about the, the correlation of transference. It's because they don't transfer. It's the correlation of relatedness. The two di- totally different right. things. Eric, okay, I got to roll. He,
0: okay all right well let's end it okay let's end it we'll end it there thank you very much uh well let's do it again in a couple of weeks are, are are you good with that i yeah, thought man. it was that was good well, a couple of weeks is right. uh, well, yeah i can do
1: two weeks uh, maybe the 22nd or 23rd maybe uh actually no i have to do it before the 22nd
0: all right all right all right well you and i can work it out all right uh are you going home for christmas
1: i'm going to phoenix for christmas i don't have a home uh
0: you don't have a, oh yeah, I ain't got no home. I'm just a rambling around, Okay. All right. Well, uh, Mr. Woody, uh, Woody Guthrie, uh, thanks a lot for, uh, for taking the time and uh, thanks for updating us and good luck with everything. Have a good Christmas. All thanks. right. And think, think good thoughts about me. I'll be thinking good thoughts about you.
1: You won't be, but, but thanks. That's true. No. All right. All right. See you. Thanks.